Did you know that menopause is a natural but debilitating condition that can affect your divorce decisions and divorce process? Well, stay tuned because the upcoming interview that I've got is fascinating. I learned so much about menopause, hormone therapy, um, and the effect on divorce. It was incredible. So I hope you'll join me and stay tuned for this wonderful episode with Claire Gill, head of the National Menopause Foundation, and also to make you aware that October is National Menopause Month. Take care and stay tuned. Hi, beautiful. I'm so glad you're here with me today. It's my pleasure to introduce you to my guest, Claire Gill. She's the founder of the National Menopause Foundation. And you might, you might ask yourself, well, why are we talking about menopause on a divorce podcast? Well, boy, can I tell you there's some direct links there, whether you're going through it before a divorce, during, or after. So Claire's going to talk with me today about how menopause and divorce intersect, the impact of the menopausal transition on women both physically and psychologically, and especially our relationships. So Claire, it is so great to have you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, it's my pleasure, Beverly. Thank you so much for inviting me, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too, me too. So I know I have a lot of questions about menopause. For my backstory, at 45, I had to have a hysterectomy and they put me on hormones for a maximum of two years. Didn't have any symptoms until I turned 65 and then I had some symptoms. So I have personal experience with this topic. I want to know what's the most frequently asked questions you hear about menopause? The most frequently asked questions really tend to do with sort of, as you just suggested, you know, this is my experience and is this menopause? And part of that reasoning behind it is because we know so little as women about this natural stage of life. We learn about puberty in school. And then if you choose the path of motherhood, you have birthing classes and parenting classes, but there is nothing mm. that prepares us for this final stage. So we often get questions from women right. who are younger than the average age that women enter menopause. And in the U.S., that's about age 51. But when we have women in their early okay. 40s who start exhibiting symptoms, they're very confused. And part of that is because we don't yes. really know what menopause is and that perimenopause can start seven to 10 years before you have your final period, which is menopause. Are you kidding? I had no idea. I had no yes. idea at all. That really, that really speaks to me about kind of the overall issue of women's health and knowledge and support. And I think it a lot of it goes back to the way we were raised as women is all about giving to others and neglecting ourselves at the expense of giving to others. And so um, I just, I really wonder why don't we as women know more about something that's so natural, so common? Why it seems to be kind of a mystery. 
It really is, and it shouldn't be. And that's part of why I did found the National Menopause Foundation, because it was, you know, 2019, and I realized there was no advocacy organization. And when I say advocacy, I mean more education, empowerment, you know, benefits, obviously advocating for the, you know, better better health, better outcomes. Um, and that surprised me, given there's a nonprofit for just about everything. And there wasn't exactly. for this particular stage of life. Um, so I think some of that, again, we, we could spend a whole podcast talking about why women don't know about this. And I think part of it becomes, as a society, when we lose the ability to be reproductively beneficial, then traditionally we were supposed to go quietly <laughs> off into old age. And I joke with everyone that I've never done anything. Oh, put us out to pasture. Oh my yes. gosh. Yes. We're not. And I've never done anything quietly in my life. And I don't intend to do this stage of life quietly. <laughs> so I think there's a great opportunity for us to explore this, learn, and then empower each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you find that women that have gone through it, that have experienced are open and help other women and share their story? Or do they also keep this as kind of a mystery? It depends. It depends on the cultural aspect okay. that someone grew up in. And it also depends on when they go through menopause. You and your uh, listeners are probably okay. seeing a lot more in the news these days about menopause and celebrities getting into the industry and providing new products. Baby boomers. Stuff. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So we are, Baby we're seeing that change. And I think the fact that we're doing a podcast about menopause is new. You know, this was only in the last five years that this became less of a taboo subject. We still have a long way to go. Correct. I feel like we're in a bubble. Those yeah. of us who are talking about it and it's how to reach our sisters who are, struggling quietly without those confidence to talk to that we need to be able to reach out to and make sure that they feel comfortable with this stage of life as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, given this is a divorce podcast for women, naturally, you know, where I'm going at is how does menopause impact the relationships we have, particularly um, with someone in a marital or a very close partnership? Mm -hmm. Well, interestingly, a common theme that comes up when I'm in groups talking about menopause with clinicians and consumers alike is I thought I was going to get a divorce. I was moving towards divorce really? in this time stage of life. And part of that is um, hormonal. We start to have reactions to things that um, change. And if you're not cognizant of the fact that, oh, at maybe 45 or 50 or even 55, I'm being impacted and some of the things that I'm doing could be menopausal related, and things that maybe weren't as frustrating or deal breakers <laughs> earlier in our relationship have become to a level where we just can't take it anymore. Um, so I think yeah. for this particular so your listeners, I think there's things to consider. One, did the issues that you're having in your relationship happen throughout your relationship? 
Or did maybe they begin right around the time that you potentially started experiencing perimenopause, which, as I mentioned, can start, you know, many years before you reach your 50s. Um, and then so perhaps that's like premenopause. It is. It's called perimenopause, which is pretty much premenopause. Okay. And what we think of as menopause okay. as women is just our periods stop. And that's true. Menopause right. itself, the clinical definition, is when your period has stopped consistently for 12 consecutive months. That day is menopause. Everything before it wow. is perimenopause, and everything after it is postmenopause. But we don't learn that. So we just think, oh, I still have my period. I couldn't possibly be experiencing menopausal symptoms. But as I said, if you're a woman in your 40s, and as you mentioned, women who have hysterectomies earlier in life or who have breast cancer treatments that um, lead them to, again, maybe having their ovaries removed, even if they don't have a hysterectomy, mm-hmm. go into immediate right. menopause. And so those are the things, again, gotcha. that we are not taught. Wow. And so I think you touched on it a little bit, but um, can it really impact whether a woman's thinking about divorce or how she manages Hi, everyone. the decision? As parents, we often have gut feelings when something just isn't right. And this can be especially true in co-parenting arrangements where one parent is struggling with addiction. If you're co-parenting with an ex who abuses alcohol, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. The system's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test, so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and your kids are able to maintain healthy relationships with both parents. To sign up, Soberlink's offering $50 off your device for our listeners. Visit www.soberlink.com empowered, and that will be in the show notes as well. Yes, and I want to be clear, though, I don't want to say that all you know, issues around a divorce might be you know, menopause-related. I just think they're going to be amplified Absolutely. at this time of life. Um, so again, if you're going through or thinking about this, you know, this decision to end your partnership, end your marriage, I think you need to, one, get the support you need for both the issues you're having in relationship, but perhaps issues that you're having um, in your own health, whether it's your, your physical health with night sweats or irritability or not being able to sleep, all of those things, anxiety, increases for women. Women who have never been anxious or have anxiety before can develop anxiety during menopause. And so those things might be impacting your thoughts about the divorce, but also how you manage that process. So you want to make sure that you're taking care of anger too would be a big one. Anger? We think anger would be a big one. All of it. So just being aware of that and being able to get support for both. How do you manage the relationship issues? And are there things happening to you physically and psychologically that might be impacting your relationship? 
Yeah, because I can see where you had mentioned earlier, somebody might be having their own menopausal symptoms and get to the point with their relationship that I just can't take it anymore. But also women who um, are not going through menopause or their menopausal symptoms are mild can, because of other reasons, say, I can't take it anymore. That that's right. since the beginning of my marriage, this has been happening or that's been happening. So I want to be really cautious with that. Plus, I want women to hear this part real clearly. Even if menopause is going on and even if symptoms are happening, that doesn't mean it's your fault. Because that's where we go as women is a lot of guilt and a lot of blame, a lot of shame and a lot of comparison. This is not your fault. And if you want to pursue a divorce during this time, it is not your fault. It's not. And I think, honestly, if you're more aware of what's happening to you physically at this time of this stage of life, the response you get from your partner when you talk about it will say a lot about the strength of your relationship and your marriage. Yes. Oh, so, I agree. For example, Absolutely. you need to, one, it also, one of the main symptoms of, uh, of menopause is also it impacts our sexual health. And we don't talk about mm -hmm. that after a certain age. Oh, of course but not. It can. Yeah. It can make, you lose loss of libido is a major symptom that many women face. And again, then you feel like, oh, it's my fault. I don't want to have sex. And your partner might say, you've lost interest. You don't want me. You haven't had sex. It is hormonal. And yet there are things mm -hmm. and support you can get to help increase your libido and then potentially make pet sex more enjoyable, less painful. Those are real things that happen to women. And if you have that relationship where you can say to your spouse or your partner, wow, this is what's happening to me and this is what I'm experiencing, that response will tell you a lot about the strength of your relationship. Because I would hope the partner Absolutely. would say, wow, let's, let's figure this out together versus it's your fault, it's your problem, you're not meeting my needs. Well, what what do you do if you're in menopause with a loss of libido? Are there things you can do? There are. First of all, you know, there's uh, there's medical treatments. Um, and this again is a, a long story, but the very condensed version is um, there was a women's health initiative that many of us are familiar with about 20 years ago that said hormone replacement therapy increases women's chance of breast cancer and cardiovascular Correct. issues. So 20 years later, we now know that that study was flawed. It looked at women who really? were taking hormone replacement therapy at 65 and above. And when they went back and looked at women who took hormone replacement at the onset of menopause around 50, 51, or whenever it is for that woman, there was no increase. So we have a whole generation of women who suffered through all the menopausal symptoms because HRT was off the table. And we're still trying to tell women, go back to your clinician, find a person who is, you know, knows how to work with, with, uh, menopause, a menopause specialist, and ask them about the potential for HRT because it is safe, effective, healthy, and inexpensive, and that can greatly increase 
your the condition of losing your libido, vaginal dryness, all of those other things that happen with our sexual wow. health as we hit menopause. And then there's topical things that can be done. There's uh, lubricants yes. that can be used. All of those things that, again, we're not supposed to talk about when we hit midlife because we're not creating right. babies anymore. But it's an important part of relationship. So yes, there are things that can be done that helps the woman and that can help the relationship. But again, you need to be very cognizant of what's happening to you and yet what's happening in your relationship. Because there may be things that are you know, unsolvable in that relationship. Abuse, all of those other things. Anything that, again, you've struggled with yes. for, in this relationship it's not going to improve just because you're more aware of your your medical situation of and the change of life you're in. So we do want to just make women aware of it and maybe know that this is this is common. This is very common. I'm going to share a little personal story which I I think resonates might resonates with your oh, readers. Please do. So I have a 12-year-old daughter, I has a late mom in life, and my husband, who have never picked up after themselves around the house. They just don't, right? We all experience it. <laughs> no matter how many times you leave it, they don't pick up. It never, I mean, it always bothered me, but I was actually looking up how to live separately near my family, but not in the same house with them. I didn't want a divorce. I just didn't want to live with them. And I started laughing yeah. to myself and said, oh, my God, I run the National Menopause Foundation and I'm I'm experiencing that same thing myself where I didn't think of, <laughs> oh, I want a divorce. But I was really, I can't take this anymore. And then I, you know, obviously right. took a breath and said, oh, okay, I need to figure out a way to resolve this. I, I really can't afford to live separately. We're not rich to have my own woman cave separate from my, my husband and daughter. <laughs> Those are the things that we all experience. And as I said, many women have told me that they had experienced that or, again, their level was they were getting divorced. Um, some stuck it Absolutely. through. And others, like you said, there was problems with the relationship long before menopause. And as the coach in me, I want to scream boundaries at <laughs> when you're telling that story. Let's work on some boundaries. And I'm sure you did that. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget the women that because of divorce aren't in a relationship that have chosen for whatever reason to live singly with sexual health, that it is important that they take care of themselves sexually that's so right. that, you know, so that they are healthy. And I think that's been an even more taboo subject. Um, Absolutely. So these symptoms that we talked about with libido can also affect you if you're not in a relationship, but you still need to take care of your sexual health um, in that case as well. That's right. There's so many things that change as we as we reach midlife and beyond. And some of that is, again, even completely hormonally, but how our body carries weight changes physically at menopause oh, and you might have like the little pot belly that women get and you just can't get rid of it you can't get rid of it because it really right. is a hormonal change that has shifted how your body carries weight so there are but again once women know this then you feel empowered to be able to address it yeah. if you choose to and that, like you said that goes with your sexual health if you're divorced but you're in your 50s 
and you're thinking maybe you do want to date, but you're not feeling up to it and you don't want to do that. Well, again, there are things that you can do to help support that. And the other thing is empowering women to be like, it's your life. Do exactly what you want with it. Yep. Create a life that you desire. That's it. Um, You've shared so much about menopause and a little bit about the symptoms, but if, if my audience wants even more information in more detail, where can they go to find out about it? Thankfully, there's a lot of great resources now about menopause. You can obviously come to our website. It is nationalmenopausefoundation.org. I apologize for writing that all okay. out. The acronym NMF was no, already that's taken. Okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there are um, there are women's health offices at gov- all the government agencies that actually also provide information about menopause and have some great resources available as well. So you can go to um, HHS for Health and Human Services gov. And put menopause into the search engine, and it'll bring you up all of the resources from the National Institute on Aging and all the other government resources and and health um, uh, organizations that have great services and information. On our website, you'll find information about all of the symptoms. You'll find an online community that you can join for free and anonymously, where you can talk about your situation with other women who are experiencing it. We, too, have a newsletter that you can sign up for. So there's a lot of support now available for women, and it's an opportunity to just investigate what's happening to you and how that compares to others. And I think that's the benefit of that is realizing everything is normal. You know, we're so worried about being normal, and and it is. Right. It is a normal, healthy stage of life. We should be grateful that we've lived this long and get to experience menopause. And then a lot of women will tell you, and I just saw this on the Today Show with a woman, they did a segment about menopause and one woman saying, I love it. Now, you have to be able to, maybe you have (laughs) mild symptoms, but the idea of being, reclaiming oneself at this stage of life and being able to um, take all the wisdom and things that you period, yay. Right? Take all of that great wisdom we've learned and you use it to benefit ourselves, I think it can be a very wonderful, empowering time of life. And if it, again, leads you to make a very difficult decision about ending your relationship, then maybe that's, it took you getting to this stage of life to be ready for that. And so I think women should embrace that. That is the, the decision that they make. You, when we were talking about sources of information, I noticed one of the things you didn't mention was a woman's general medical doctor. And I want to share just a little bit of a story about my mother um, that I found when I would accompany her on visits, a male medical doctor would talk down to her and treat her a little bit like she was a hypochondriac rather than listening to her. And I, I have found that she's not the only one that had that experience, that, that's, that there were, and maybe it's because this was, oh, I guess it was about 
10 years ago or more. And now maybe doctors are educated more to bedside manner. But um, I think that can be, have a reverse effect if you go to your medical doctor and he does not acknowledge this is normal and if he is not informed. Now, I would think a female medical doctor would. I may be wrong and stereotyping. But um, have you, what's your experience with any of that? That's a really, really good question and comment. Yes, unfortunately, clinicians of male or female get little to no education about menopause in medical school. <sighs> yeah. And I, I actually talked to a clinician about why yeah. that is. Yeah, it's really interesting how that came about, but there, there isn't. So it's part of it is just, again, ignorance on their part. But many, many women talk about the fact that they were dismissed when they went to their yes. doctor and experienced these symptoms, whether they were the physical or the mental. They were told, you're too young for menopause because they were in their 40s or even their late 30s right. for some women when these symptoms started. Or they were tested for everything under the sun, cancer, dementia, every, psychological issues before they did the blood test and looked at the psychological profile and the, the, the symptoms to say, this is menopause. So yes, that is a huge issue. Unfortunately, it will continue to be an issue. But another great resource that you reminded me that I forgot to mention, and I apologize, is no, okay. now it's called the Menopause Society. It was the North American Menopause Society. They just rebranded. Okay. It is the clinical organization where clinicians who are interested in becoming specialized in menopause can be certified through great training programs. Wow. So it's easy. Their URL is very easy. It's menopause.org. And they have a find a healthcare professional, a certified menopause uh, practitioner. Wow. So you can put in your address and see if there are specialists in your area. But if you're also, if you're being dismissed by your doctor uh, for any reason, ask for a referral. Find another doctor. <laughs> but, you know, and I, I I always say the same thing. Yes, find another doctor. But I think, Beverly, we're in a little bit of a bubble around that as well. Many people feel divorce is a death sentence. But with the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. It can also be a time of growth and progress. As a divorce and empowerment coach, I'm an invaluable member of your divorce team. I help you understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, learn skills to help you communicate and negotiate, find your true voice, and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. And when I think about my small hometown that I grew up in, there was one gynecologist. So there was no yes. go to another doctor. And I think there's a lot of communities still in our country where that might be the case. Or your insurance only provides one. So again, I think asking for a referral from your doctor it could be to a specialist or for a second opinion, they have to oblige you with that request. So the other thing is if you're not getting any response from your doctor, call your local hospital and ask them 
if they can recommend Ooh, a doctor yeah. in your area. Gotcha. Great, great idea. Anything special that we can do to prepare for menopause? I think the things that we need to do to prepare for menopause are the things that we need to do for overall health. And I say this as a woman who needs to put my own words into action. So this is one of those, do as I say, (laughs) not as I do. Diet and exercise are hugely important for us, obviously, throughout our lifespan, but particularly as we reach middle age. And here's why. We can lose up to 20% of our bone density in the first five to seven years post-menopause. And my, I was sharing with you earlier, my other job is I'm the CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. And so obviously a very wow. strong connection between menopause and bone. No one tells us that as well. So you need weight-bearing exercise and muscle-strengthening exercise throughout your life but particularly as you start to move into midlife to maintain the bone density that we have so you can prevent fractures and live an active, healthy, senior aging life that we all envision for ourselves. It's also important for cardiovascular health. I guess that might be be yoga, some weightlifting. Yes. um, and, and cardiovascular and, and, and activity. Weight-bearing means on your feet, right? So walking, dancing. Okay. Though some people run marathons at 50. Um, Zumba, true. anything that's on your feet. Now, swimming and um, bicycling are fantastic for your cardiovascular health, but they don't help you with your bone health. So you need to Make sure you add in impact exercise as well. And then, as you said, yoga, a little bit of weightlifting. We're not going to become bodybuilders, but your muscles are there to protect your bones. So you do need to do a little bit of that. If we do that, we will prevent heart disease, osteoporosis, all of those things that can, you know, accelerate as we age. Doesn't mean we don't get it younger because obviously we do, but they accelerate once we past menopause because estrogen plays such an incredible role in female bodies. Oh, yes. And when the estrogen is gone, which is what happens at menopause, our body responds by having an, you know all of these extra potential health risks. So please consider that. And for your bone health, you need calcium and vitamin D. Those are the two most essential ingredients. And the rest we all need, like we all do, eating leafy greens, vegetables, fruits, lean meats and proteins. The things that they tell us to do (laughs) are actually for our benefit. And we do need to motivate ourselves to do those things to be able to live the healthy life we want to have in our in our postmenopausal years. It sounds great. Now, as everybody knows, on my podcast, I like to ask my guests, what three actionable steps would you suggest to the women in our audience to help them with menopause and pre-menopause? So you're not going to escape me on this one. So what three steps would you recommend? So the, the, the three steps I would recommend is, one, taking stock of your own health. Write down any of those symptoms that you're having that you maybe haven't thought about, but if you've been feeling anxious or if you're having problems sleeping or if you are having hot flashes or night sweats and you didn't realize that that might be what they are, start writing those down so that you have a better sense of what's happening to you. 
because we get so busy. Okay. That you, have you ever done this where you go yes. to your healthcare provider and they're like, oh, you know, what's happening? You're like, I'm fine. And then you realize, oh, I, I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> I and said I, this, I this, and this. Yeah. Okay. So write them down for yourself. Second, I would say, is talk to your healthcare provider about your stage of life and what your risk factors might be for any of those oh, okay. additional you know, conditions that come at midlife. Um, the important thing is to set the appointment to do that. We as women, as you said, are all about caring for others and just kind of not putting anyone into yeah. any, any inconvenience. But if you want to have that conversation with your, your, your doctor, schedule it for that conversation versus I have the flu and at the end of the conversation, I'm going to start asking you all these questions about menopause. That's not helpful for you, and it's you're not going to get the response you want for your clinician. So you can actually schedule an appointment and say, I'd like to talk with my clinician, schedule an appointment to talk to them about some of the symptoms I'm having and to talk about menopause. Now, that can happen, like I said, even if you're in your 40s, don't be dismissed. Say, right. I know I'm not at menopause, but I am having perimenopausal symptoms, and I would like to talk to you about it. So that would be two. And then the third, I would say, is... Do some of your research as well. Like we said, all of these, these information that's available online, help educate yourself in a way that unfortunately it's not immediately provided to us. You know, my young daughter is, like I said, is going through, she just went through her um, puberty classes in sixth grade and she raised her hand to say, oh. and at the end it's menopause. So one school in Virginia knows Way about. Go girl. <laughs> But we need more of that. Yes. You need to, you know, Google menopause, go to our website, start to familiarize yourself with it so that you do feel empowered because knowledge is power. And once we know what to expect, we can then make a plan to address it. Absolutely. Claire, this has been so information packed, but I know there's going to be people that want to know even more. How can my listeners find you? You can find me by going to the National Menopause Foundation website, and there's actually a contact us that will give you an email directly to me, and I'm happy to respond and connect you with clinicians in your area or support groups or online communities, anything that you need um, about this stage of life. Um, We're here to help. And, and I really do welcome any question. There's no, there's no silly questions. We have heard it all and they're all legitimate questions because we don't know enough yet, yet. Soon we will all be very well informed, but we don't know enough yet about this very natural stage of life. Well, you're helping so much. And also if someone's interested in your other organization, where can they find out, find you there? That too is a long name, sorry. It's bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. And you can just email info at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. And everyone on our staff gets that email and someone will follow up with you. And we have tons of resources about preventing osteoporosis, improving bone health, managing the disease if you have it. There's wonderful things that can be done these days to protect our bone health. So, yes, I encourage you to reach out to us there as well. Yes, and I have my bone density um, exam or test coming up soon. Very good. Make sure you do that in addition to your mammogram. 
That's exactly right. Um, is there anything else that I've forgotten to ask you or any other information you'd like to share? I think we covered a lot. Like I said, I could talk about this topic all day. So I think really the most important <laughs> is to know where the websites are and how to reach us for those, those ongoing questions. And again, to know that this is a normal stage of life. And yes, women going through menopause absolutely have to consider their relationship as part of that equation. Absolutely. And remember that um, menopause can affect you before, during, and after divorce, but that doesn't necessarily, or it doesn't make it be your fault. I, I just feel real strongly about that. Claire, thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been so helpful. And in particular, I want to cite that statement you made about hormone therapy, that the, the actual statistics or the actual research results are, have been proven incorrect. Um, so please listen to this podcast in detail and find more information about that. And all of Claire's information will be available in the show notes along with mine. You can find them at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com on the podcast page or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch the video version on our YouTube channel called Her Empowered Divorce. Thank you for being with Claire and myself on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. Join me next time where I'll be diving deeper into what another expert professional can share to help you on your separation and divorce journey. Remember, you can also find more podcast episodes and information about my divorce and empowerment coaching at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. Please listen, subscribe, and leave us a review. Please share our story with your friends so we can reach out and help as many people as possible. Thank you for joining us today and stay empowered. Hello, Empowered Women. I'm Susan Guthrie, and with over 30 years as a leading family law attorney and mediator, I've stood by many as they navigated the intricate paths of divorce. That's why I created the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Drawing from my own expert insights and bringing in some of the country's top voices on divorce and its many facets, we aim not just to help you endure the storm, but to rise and shine brighter than ever in your beautiful beyond. If you are a regular on Her Empowered Divorce with Beverly Price, you already value empowerment during these challenging transitions. Together, our podcasts form a safety net, ensuring you don't just survive, but you thrive. So take my hand and let's journey together. Listen to Divorce and Beyond wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Remember, the best is yet to come in your beautiful beyond. You can find the podcast on all major podcast outlets or on the website, divorceandbeyond.com. Thank you for listening to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. Remember, divorce doesn't have to be a death sentence. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. And it can also be a time of growth and empowerment. 
A divorce and empowerment coach is an invaluable member of your divorce team. I help you understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, find your true voice, and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpowereddivorce.com. And be sure to check out my other episodes of Her Empowered Divorce podcast and resources on my website or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This will help me reach out to more women in the same space so you are not so alone. I appreciate your support. Until next time, take care and stay empowered.